The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, To you who hear, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. And from the person who takes your cloak, do not withhold even your tunic. Give to everyone who asks of you. And for the one who takes what is yours, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. For if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good, do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather, love your enemies and do good to them and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and gifts will be given to you. A good measure packed together, shaken down and overflowing, will be poured into your lap. For the measure with which you measure will in return be measured out to you. The Gospel of the Lord. In the holy name of Jesus, amen. To you who hear, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. This text has consumed a lot of my brain space over the last couple of weeks. In particular, I've been trying to tease out why so many of us, myself included, recoil from these imperatives that Jesus lays before us tonight. After studying some commentaries and listening to a few sermons and reading a handful of articles, I still felt a little lost. Now, I should say, they all gave some good answers. Some said uh, these words make us cringe because we're fearful of conceding any ground to an enemy, to an opponent. We naturally want to be in control of everything. 
Others emphasize that we recoil from these words out of a fear of correlating love with acceptance of bad behavior. We are frightened of mixing what is ethical with that which is unethical. Still others accentuated the rejection of these commands out of a yearning for justice determined solely by the individual that was wronged. And while all these answers are good and very much true for people, it doesn't seem to me that they get to the core of why we shudder at these words. And it wasn't until after I did some paces down the hall and then came and sat quietly in the back of the sanctuary reflecting on my own enemy that the Lord began to reveal to me the core of discomfort with this portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain. We recoil from these words because we are all so deeply wounded. And every time we bump up against these commands of Jesus, it feels like our wounds are being reopened and we are experiencing the hell our enemies put us through all over again. I found myself asking the Lord these questions. How can I love the one who is vehemently opposed to me? How can I do good to someone who has done nothing but harm to me? How can I bless the one who has cursed my name and assaulted my character? How can I pray for the one who destroyed my relationship with my significant other and created unbearable tension in my friendships? How can I do any of these things especially when I've never received an ounce of remorse or repentance. This was a tough sermon for me. And I think it's going to be one of the hardest ones I preach. Because it's something that I still struggle with. And I have a feeling that a majority of you in this room have asked yourselves similar questions at one point or another, especially when you're put in front of this text. Because we all have been or will be wounded by people, by enemies in our lives. It's it's just one of the unfortunate consequences of living in this fallen world. And the wounds in this room come in all shapes and sizes. They're emotional wounds. They're physical wounds. They're mental wounds. And they're spiritual wounds. 
some of these wounds are fresh, while others have been carried around for many years. And these wounds make us feel defenseless, alone, and unloved as we attempt to toil after healing and after retribution. After I was wounded by my enemy, my selfish, sinful flesh wanted to join in with Abishai in our Old Testament text today and say, let me nail him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I will not need a second thrust. I wanted and still want vengeance against my enemy. We all want vengeance against our enemies. But if everyone got the vengeance and justice that they desired, that you all singularly deemed appropriate, the end result would be that everyone would be dead. Spears thrust all over the place. When we're wounded and left without any remorse or any apology, it really torments us. I know it did for me for years, and I can still feel the effects of that today. Because it seems like there's no resolution. There's no justice. There's nothing to anchor ourselves to. And Jesus' command to be merciful, to love, to do good, to bless, and to pray for the one who wounded us seems like an impossible task to take on, to do on our own. The truth is, it is an impossible task to take on our own. Unless we see that the Sermon on the Plain is not about us first and foremost, but about our dear Lord. It's what Pastor Milky touched upon last week. Jesus is the blessed one, the poor one, the hungry one, the weeping one, and the hated one. Jesus is the one who loves his enemies, who does good to those who hate him, who blesses those who curse him, who prays for those who mistreat him, and is merciful to the point of death on a cross, just as his heavenly Father is merciful. For God demonstrates his love for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, 
Christ died for us. While he was stricken and smitten, afflicted and wounded by his enemies, he cried out a prayer. And this prayer wasn't a call for justice or even a declaration of judgment. No, this prayer was a prayer of mercy. Father, Father, forgive them for they have no idea what they're doing. Jesus, the blessed one, actively chose suffering in order that everyone might be brought home again. You and me, your enemy and my enemy. Jesus doesn't seek retribution against us because we are, just as that evil Saul was, the anointed one of the Lord, the one created in the image of God. When Jesus lays out these imperatives in his Sermon on the Plain, he isn't instituting a new law. No, it's something much greater something that's freeing, something that slowly but surely releases us from our torment. Jesus' sermon on the plain is an invitation into his divine life. And when he gives us that invitation, he isn't asking us to forget our wounds He is inviting us to join our wounds to his wounds. He he isn't asking us to neglect what's right or wrong, to excuse our enemy's behavior, but to mourn, to mourn when sin takes hold and then to work for the good of all. He isn't asking us to love our enemies in the sense of fleeting warm feelings, but he's inviting us to will our enemies good because he paid the ultimate price for them. And Jesus yearns for everyone to be home again. And he isn't asking us to get over that We were shown no remorse, but to trust even on the most difficult days that he's going to sort it all out in the end. That's the invitation. Loving our enemies, doing good to those who hate us, blessing those who curse us, and praying for those who mistreat us is choosing as blessed sons and daughters of God the way of self-sacrifice for the sake of Christ and the sake for the sake of his anointed ones. The 20th century uh, theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which Pastor Milky mentioned this week, says something about this self-sacrifice. He says, this self-sacrifice is continually asking, 
what Jesus has done to make love inconquerable instead of asking what our enemies have done in an attempt to make it conquerable. Trusting in Christ's unconquerable love is a willingness to be formed into His image, to be pulled so close. And then through that transformation, to will that the enemy might repent and be made into a brother or sister in Christ. I'm not going to lie, my friends. The way of Jesus is the way of active suffering with Him. And these lives won't always be easy. And many of us won't find complete healing of our wounds until Jesus recreates all things. And He knows that. So today, He offers us the opportunity again to be loved by Him and then to do something radical. To love our enemies through Him. You see, that love is unconquerable. That love does the impossible. Lord, You are merciful to us. In Your kindness, make us merciful too. In the holy name of Jesus. Amen.